Once again, December 3rd, of South Florida, this is your host, Chimp, and Captain Brunch, coming to you Saturday night, lit, on the live item tag. Very happy to be with you again, feels like it's been so long. My mouth is burning right now. Oh, from all the spices in that chipotle. Yes. Uh, it's, I don't know, to me... Spicy food, like, reminds me that I'm alive. Ah, yeah, that's definitely one of those things. It There's, makes me feel alive. It's, it's uh, like in the moment. Just, I don't know. I had put some cayenne pepper in, in my pho earlier. In your uh, pho. Is it really pronounced pho, or are you just, like, fucking with me? <laughs> no, it's, it's pho, you know? It's, I mean, I it's see D-H-O, it. <laughs> pho. Like, well, I don't know what you want, man. All I used right. to live in California. I, I, like, I heard Vietnamese people saying that shit. Oh, okay, so you... um. You have first-hand experience with the pho. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm allowed to appropriate it. I got street cred. I'll take it. I'll take it. So, Chip, do you drink coffee? Um, <laughs> is that a joke? <laughs> no one can see your face, so you're going to have to say yes. On a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I was, I was remembering recently about, about this, like, mug. You know, what is the perfect coffee mug? Have you ever thought about that? How do you usually drink? Like, what, what container do you drink your coffee in normally? It depends. If I'm drinking hot coffee, I do want a mug. Um, if I'm drinking cold coffee, I have this, like, tumbler I have. It's like an open tumbler that's, like, double-walled so the outside doesn't get cold. Yeah. So when it comes to, like, hot coffee and tea, I've always had this problem where, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I know. Right? I'm the, like, what's that buzzing, sound? Right? It's my air purifier. I got this 1,000-watt air purifier that was going right next to the recording. 1,000 yeah. watt? Oh yeah, I know. It's nuts, right? So, so like, I always have this issue, especially with tea, because I drink tea almost every morning, but I kind of want to start doing coffee also. You know, when you first make it, it's, like, so hot, and, like, my tolerance, really, for the heat is so low. And just the other day, I, I burned my mouth so bad. Like, I thought the, the tea had been sitting there long enough and it was all okay. But it was like, you know, the mug was closed and I guess had not released enough steam. And so I, I took like a good swig and man, my tongue and my upper mouth, you know, the, it's like burnt. And, and I like spit the tea all over myself. I was in the car. It was, it was pretty bad in the car. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh haven't you God. learned in your 35 years of life? Haven't you learned? <laughs> because I'm not used to drinking tea in the morning, like on my way to work. So this is a new, a new experience for me. This is, so, um, the, the roundabout point of this discussion is that I remembered that on the, the podcast security now with Steve Gibson, and Leo Laporte. Steve Gibson had mentioned this product when it was like in the Indiegogo or the Kickstarter phase. And it was called, it was called the Temperfect. This is a mug where they had put, um, like in the wall of the mug, they put a special composition ceramic material. What it, the purpose of this mug is that it will absorb the excess heat of the, the liquid into the, like the material, and then it will maintain that heat for hours. So, you know, you go ahead and you brew your coffee or you make your tea as usual. And then as soon as it's ready, you pour it into this mug and then it will within three minutes, drop it to 
a, an appropriately hot temperature that's like standable by the mouth and it'll hold that temperature for several hours. Eh, I mean, how do you determine that temperature? I mean, obviously it's... I think it's like 135 degrees or something. I don't know. It's... it. Come on. That's that's a silly... That's that's an arbitrary point. But, uh, because I like my coffee hot and when it gets too warm... It's not warm. It's hot. Hmm. Well, yeah. you're, well we're going to see because I ordered one. Okay, I was going to say, do you have the mug? Because I got to try this. Yeah, it sounds cool, one. but... Um, and this is like... I remember he talked about it years ago and I was just like, I wonder if it still exists. So... And he always done transcripts of his show. So it was really easy to find because he pays some lady to do transcripts. So okay, I found it and that's cool. So we're <laughs> going to see it should, they say it's supposed to ship within three days. I hope you didn't get gypped. I, I don't Well, I mean, I paid for it with a credit card. So I guess if I, if I got gypped, I could always get my money back. That's one thing I need less of is more mugs or more cups. But oh it's my not God. about more. It's like I could get rid of other ones and use this one. And like, I'm not going to burn my mouth because let's say by the time I go from the coffee or the tea being made to my car to driving, like that's way more than three minutes. So within that time, it would have already reached the, the appropriate temperature and then I could start drinking it and it would be good for the rest of the day. But I really only need it till like lunch. Not even lunch. I need it till 10 a.m. That's pretty much. So it's like I, I work at 7.30. So it's, you know, it's like three hours that I need. I don't know. It just seems like the solution to a problem that I just don't have. Like You don't have, <laughs> but I have that problem. So I'm solving that problem for myself. You Apparently, yes. Bastard. I like your beefsteak shirt. Yeah, well, you know, it's cool. It's, it's a good uh, color. I gave up. Like a seafoam green. Like the next year I gave up the shirt. But I got a hat, so I got, the, whatever, I'm, I'm starting to, you know, hopefully, yeah. So if you've never been to a beefsteak, you should definitely go to one. Art says They're you fun. guys should do an in-person show. <laughs> <laughs> and we can, we just need good internet and a place to do it. I mean, we also, we do it in person, just not in your person. Well, we could do it in your person too. Like I said, you know, we'll figure that out. It could be in your, ooh, maybe it could be like a Bitcoin Vortex thing. Maybe on the, uh, oh. the night of the Bitcoin Vortex, we could have a special live nice. Saturday night lit and get all like the people in our audience to send us sets. Now you're, now you're talking. Yeah. Okay. We have, we've got two months to do that, to set that up. <laughs> it's going to be so, man, I can't wait. I'm going to add that to the Bitcoin <laughs> Vortex like list. I'm so excited. So it just all, happened. All of our new listeners out there. So you heard that art. We are going to do a live, a live one. So, um, this, you know, there was, I got this on the list. You, it's been going around the Bitcoin Twitter and you know me, Bitcoin as violence. It's not the name of the paper, but that's like this argument going around by this guy named Jason P. Lowry. And it's sort of the the argument is really it's an alternative to kinetic warfare and he talks about how nikola tesla suggested that in the future like society's going to be so complex that we won't even fight physically we'll fight like virtually and jason p lowry suggests that bitcoin the bitcoin network the big b bitcoin is that like virtual warfare and controlling that network, approving transactions, um, like the sending of Bitcoin from one, you know, private key to someone else's. Those are all like the battles, so to speak. Um, it's a way more complex argument than that, but I'm battle. I mean, I would, I like the idea, but to me it's more like it's the infrastructure for the virtual battle. Yeah. But know? think about it like this, right? So if 
I invade your city and then I like go home to home and start looting all the houses and stealing all like the art and the paintings and the gold and stuff. But your Bitcoin, I can't necessarily do that. Right. And so that's what he's talking about is that this is, this is like this warfare where, where we can put value into Bitcoin where we can't put it in other things in a way that we can't put it into other things because it's controlled, you know, through this decentralized permissionless network. And so it, it gives people who are willing to value Bitcoin a power that governments cannot take away. So he's got like this neat little chart where it's like talking about like, where does power come from and how is it expressed and blah, blah, blah. And, and one of his arguments is that, you know, you can disrupt like hegemonic power structures by valuing things that they don't value or by not valuing things that they value or like, so the inverse. And so if the power structure values the dollar, then what Bitcoiners can do to empower themselves and to disempower the governments or to the hegemony is to not value the dollar. And that's, that's like, that's kind of like warfare he's talking about right there, you know, because that for sure, you know, so a lot of the Bitcoiners have been real huffy puffy over this. I'm like just finishing up a three hour um, interview he did with, um, with the Bitcoiner named uh, Marty Bent. Mm. And, uh, and I'll probably, you know, when he releases his paper, it's like a master's thesis or something. And this guy, Jason works for space force. (laughs) So, you know, he's like a spook or something, but, um, but he's definitely talking about Bitcoin in a very interesting way. And in a way that I've thought about for a long time, I mean, I've said this probably for more than a year now, you know, world war three is going to be won by the army paid in Bitcoin. (laughs) And I feel like this is exactly what Jason's talking about. There's always space for mercenaries. (laughs) Oh, that's definitely, I think going to be a big part of it too. Like mercenary, you know, the private, private um, military organizations. Cause that's what's happened over the last 20, you know, 30 years or whatever, like the, especially with the war on terror, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, so um, I do have to respond to the chat real quick. Oh, Cause our yeah, did, go for it. Our did mention that he likes the iced coffee at Brooklyn bagels. I took you there once. If you remember, I don't remember Brooklyn water bagel. Oh, I don't and they remember had those, those ice cube coffee, those coffee ice cubes. Uh huh. Yeah. Those are really good. They're ex- mad expensive, but real good. <laughs> If you're not in the chat, please join the Telegram chat. I got the link there and the um, No Agenda social post. Oh, yeah. That's the current chat room, but we'll see how long that lasts. Well, I mean, we're going to last as long as we only have eight people in it. (laughs) We're we're never going to migrate to the Discord at this point. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that. You know, the Discord is just, it's just a, it's more of like a a project. newsroom. No, that's just one room in it, but I'm also working on like these bots with them, like with this developer and it's more of a long-term project that I'm trying to kind of create an ecosystem that, that would be ready for if we had an audience like that was. I mean, if we do have an audience, right there. No, but I'm saying like, if we had a lot of people who. Don't demean them. (laughs) Continue. Just continue. Stop throwing shit at me. It's my job. Anyways, rest in peace, Umbral. So today, today, I destroyed my umbral. Are you going to sell it? No. So, I mean, the physical device was a Raspberry Pi. So all I did was I took the eight gigabyte um, mini SD card and then I overrode it with the umbral operating system. And so the next chance I get, which probably maybe be during the week, I'll like plug the Raspberry Pi into a 
a monitor so I can turn it on and start like using the Raspberry Pi operating system and seeing what that's about. Learning some coding. Well, I don't, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I want to try learning some coding. That's partly part of the idea. And so we'll see. Um, you know, I'm going to be replacing the, the function of the, of the umbral before was to serve as my Bitcoin node. I'm going to get the embassy pro. I'm hoping by the end of the month, it's supposed to be shipping from start nine in the next few weeks. Um, so I'll have my, I'll have a Bitcoin node through the embassy pro. And then I'll also have some other interesting stuff going on with the embassy pro. And I look forward to documenting that as time goes on. Also related to technology, AI chat just hit the Twitter influencer space Hmm. and these people are going off the walls. There's all, I think it's called like open GPT or I don't know what it's called, but it's, it's, so it's some sort of application, some sort of interface that you can chat with an AI, whatever that means. And reminds me of smarter child. Remember smarter child? I don't. Oh man, it was like um, AIM, uh, AOL Instant Messenger bot. Oh man. Well, this might be like that. Good old days. People are, I don't know. Uh, someone said like, write a poem about woke. You, Jesus Christ. Write a poem about woke, sorry. What was I doing? No, I keep feeling vibrating. I think it's my phone, but it's your Oh, let me, let me put my thing on. It's so annoying. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, this is one of the things about being in person and sharing the same table. <laughs> same, the same tiny metal table. Is well, that the depend, vibration? Depending is on it? how far I move in the next <laughs> month or so. Oh, gosh. It will yeah, no longer be see. a problem. Uh, you know, I might have to come to you. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, I got no problem with that. So anyways, yeah, it'd be nice to get the hell out of the house on a Saturday night. I don't, maybe, I don't know if that's how you feel when you when you come over here, but I would definitely feel that way. Like, yeah, I get to well, go outside. I just cleaned the house so you can always come <laughs> next week. <laughs> All right, we can we can talk about that. So um, uh, there was one, so I said that, you know, one person asked to write a poem about woke or po- write a poem about like the effects of woke, but some other person, like they were making this big deal because they asked it first whether men or m- men or women were more violent and the, and the AI was like, well, men are more violent statistically. And then he asked it, okay, well, are black people more violent than white people? And then the AI was like, well, you can't really say that because, and then it like gave this whole explanation about how that's not necessarily a reasonable thing to say. And I actually mostly agreed with, you know, everyone accuses me of being a social justice warrior. So this should be no surprise. I mostly agreed with what the AI was saying in regards to whether black people are more violent or more criminal than white people. But the Twitter influencer was like just going nuts because he's like, why can't the fucking AI admit that black people are more violent than white people? Oh my God. I know. And I'm just like, is this really the fucking point that you're trying to make right now? Like they created this tool. It's super awesome. It can, it can be used for teaching. It can be used for looking things up without having to spend like a lot of time shift, uh, sifting, excuse me, uh, without having to spend a lot of time sifting through data or, options and the guy's complaining about the fact that the AI is programmed by like things that humans have written already. You know, he's like, yeah, people have been talking about, you know, racism and race and social justice and disparity for a long time on the internet. In fact, I would say it's one of the native discussions that people have on the internet is like this social 
identity politics bullshit that we we love to talk about. And so obviously the AI is going to be woke some of the times if you're talking about woke stuff, right? But if you're talking about economics, it's probably going to be like Austrian or more right-wing because the, the Austrians, they like thrive on the internet, whereas they get no fucking attention in the mainstream media. So it's like, you're going to expect the AI to reflect what exists on the internet. And when you're shocked that it represents like what's on the internet, it's just silly to me. I don't know. I I wanted to make this like bitching complaint. Just a clash of worldviews, it seems. Yeah, but uh, but the, you know, AI is not real. It's not thinking. It's not. A, it's not a being. It's not a consciousness. So don't get don't get all twisted and bent up about what it tells you. Like, come on, people. What if they had the AI just watch mainstream news all day? No, I think <laughs> it reads though. I don't know actually know what it consumes, but it's like obviously text. You know, I mean, and it gives you like, it'll write paragraphs. It'll write essays. The thing is nuts. People ask it to like, you know, um, to write lines of code for them, you know, Hey, write me like a program that does this in this language and it'll do it. Something else to consider there is that the AI is just looking at text. Oh yeah. When something, you know, when there's like definitely different layers of when it comes to media, especially like watching something or hearing something like the tone, something else on the screen that may evoke emotions, the music used. So it just being text is interesting that the the, the AI was woke, but I wonder what direction it would go when when AI is able to, I guess, interpret all that other, all, all those other layers of information. Yeah. Well, one of the main things like I was thinking about in regards to AI is that, you know, again, it doesn't think this is something I was saying. <laughs> I don't know what I would say what I would, was arguing with someone, but it's just something I said to someone on the internet. It's like the AI doesn't think. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure it doesn't think like I think. And how do I know I think it's because I waste my time. That's so then, what is it AI? What is AI doing when you ask it a question? It's like performing algorithmic behaviors, you know, based on some sort of logic. And then what are you doing when I ask you a question? I'm, I'm wasting a lot of time is what I'm doing. Like I can tell you a lot of the things that I'm doing are not based on logic. And that's the main difference is that we do things that are not based on logic. Like they're based on our feelings. Well, that may be logical at the time. Like at what time? Like, no, we have all kinds when of you're feelings in the that are feeling, illogical. When you're in the moment and feeling, <laughs> oh, it, it makes sense to do this because I feel a certain way. Well, this is going to, you know, like this is going to come up later. He really pissed me off. So I punched him in the face. <laughs> uh, it, like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and break. Okay. So the Miami Herald published an article in the last week. Well, I say you're already getting the articles. I know that. because you, you made me do it because of the topic that you're bringing up. Okay. The headline is balloons set off an active shooter scare at a Miami area college. How police responded. All right. This is by Jeff Kleinman. So again, balloons. So popping balloons at Barry University that some students thought were gunshots oh my God. set off an active shooter scare that brought police and fire crews swarming to the Miami Shores campus Thursday night. Wait, where? Oh, Barry? Barry University, oh, private school, pri- private university. And this is later in the article. Before 8 p.m. Thursday, the university sent out an alert that advised an armed assailant is on campus. Take necessary and appropriate action. Run, hide, fight. <laughs> okay, so, so when did this happen? This was Thursday. 
Thursday, Thursday, three days ago. So, and, and again, this was before 8 p.m. And then on the same article, like, like I have the, the, the link here, there's an image showing that fire rescue didn't even show up until 9 p.m. So they uh, by 9 p.m., they already knew that the balloons were not, it wasn't gunshots. But so what does this have to do with what we were just talking about? It's because sometimes our fucking feelings are stupid. And sometimes you got to take a moment and like just consider the circumstances, right? So maybe before you call the cops and say, Hey, there's an active shooter. Like, I don't know. Maybe you go around the corner and check because not that. Okay. And not, you're not, not get, that you should, you're right? the one who gets <laughs> shot. When you turn that corner, you're the one who gets shot no, right in the man. face. <laughs> I, but the, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You, you got to tell me what you think. Uh, people of the world. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I think it's stupid, but I can, uh, I can see the people's argument, you know, in, in that moment that you're taking to think lives could be lost. Right. You so know? first of all, so speaking of woke, right, obviously none of those people know what gunshots sound like. Yeah. That's the, the first thing, right? Because again, like they just feel because they just hear a popping noise or something and they're like, they're, and their guts are going all like jelly and they're like, oh my God. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to the people who like very naively thought that that was gunshots. <laughs> well, that's just an argument for, uh, for gun education. Uh, yeah. Um, oh, so sad. So sad. <laughs> is this, but is this, is this, are people too woke? I don't even know what that means anymore. It's just, it's gotten so deep. I'm just like, what does that mean? So I was, um, you know, I was a substitute teacher. I worked in the public school systems. I had to do regular, uh, what did they call them? Like red, red alerts or something where, you know, they would lock the school down. We had to pretend there was an active shooter. There was certain, a certain place we would have to stand. Uh, we had to be quiet. Um, it's just so bizarre. Okay. So, I mean, I don't want people to like run towards gunshots. I don't want you to run around a corner, uh, towards gunshots. But like, if you think there may have been gunshots, at least take a moment and listen. Are there people screaming? Are there people running? If it's just like a few gun, like if, okay, I mean, it's, if it's just a few pops, right. It could be like someone's car misfiring or something, right. There's a thousand things that a popping noise could be other than gunshots. Or someone's practicing their marksmanship. Not in Miami Shores. <laughs> not in not in the, the town or village or whatever of uptight Miami Shores. It actually happened to me the other night. I was walking Rickon and pop, pop, pop. And a car, skrrr. I'm like, what the oh, fuck? Man. And then there's this lady, it's that night. And, and this lady's walking her kid and she starts speeding up. Like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Uh. Then five minutes later, pop, pop. Again, well, you know what? Like I definitely, you know, I I go through a lot of headlines. I read a lot of articles and there have unfortunately been a lot of people, you know, people die pretty regularly, unfortunately, as, as a result of, of, you know, retaliatory killings. And they just happen to be in the area. And really the thing you don't want to do is look, because if you look, then you're, (laughs) yeah. I mean, you don't want to be a a witness. Exactly. Okay. So again, I'm not saying to go and run towards the gunshots, but just before you call the cops, like at least, you know, just wait 10 seconds. And if there's no one screaming, you know, for dear life, then maybe that's not what happened is all I'm, it's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I live so close to my, uh, to Barry that I'm surprised I didn't hear the story. Like that's definitely something Mao would have told me about. Well, other than it probably being on the news that night, I just a pretty embarrassing circumstance all around. First of all, they had all those cops 
you know, all the fucking cops who had to show up, all the fire rescue, like even after they knew that it wasn't gunshots, you know, it's like, what, what did they go there for? Just to like, I don't know, hit on the young, the young students and, and try to get their numbers or something. It's what a, uh, I'm very confused by, by life, life. Uh, but I like being alive. I just hope that those people who thought balloons popping were gunshot won't also like being alive. December 3rd and things are going pretty well so far. Speaking of Marty Bent earlier, I, uh, I caught this episode that he did with this guy named JB 55 and they were talking about something called Noster or Nostra. It's N O S T R. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but yes, the reason I'm mentioning it again is because I'm really, really interested in it. I mean, I think it's, did you figure out the difference between that and Matrix? I still have not. Yes. Yes. So, no. <laughs> um, I mean, I think with... What Ma- a dingleberry. <laughs> Speaking of dingleberries. Some, oh, yeah, right? You're looking at my clip titles. Um, yeah, so, I mean, with Matrix, you know, someone has to run the server. Like, it's like you run a Matrix server and then people join your server. Whereas mm. with Noster... Everyone runs a client, but not all clients are relays. Relays are where the data is stored. So the data of the messages or the posts or whatever the content of the messages are. Like, no, what is Noster? It's Noster ha- it, it is an acronym um, and it, it makes sense. It's called Notes and Other Stuff Transmitted by Relays. So, it, you know, it's very self-explanatory. Notes and Other Stuff. So anyways, let's take a quick listen. Um, this is... This is JB55 on TFTC, and he's talking about lightning as a communications layer. Clip one. What's, uh... Oh, my God. Did you just record yourself? Oh, maybe... Okay, so this sucks. (laughs) Probably for clip one. (laughs) I screwed it up, but I'm pretty sure from clip two on, which is not at all the same topic... Uh, so the point, the point he was, <laughs> let me just check. Hold on. Uh, to cope, he's had to- okay, good. Okay. So that's what it was. All right. So anyways, long story short, damn, it would have been way nicer to have this like really intelligent expert guy explain this. I'll get it. I'll try to get on the next episode, but his whole argument was that lightning protocol can serve as a communications layer. So Bitcoin is the money transmission layer and lightning can serve as a communications layer. And we can go into more detail into that some other time. Sweet. Right. So I took this this next clip from the No Agenda show, and this had to do with um, what's like a conflation and some truckers who are getting like their income cut. So anyways, whatever, just play the play the clip. To cope, he's had to cut pay five cents a mile for his drivers, including Payton. Some people might think five cents 
It's just a nickel. I've lost two to four hundred dollars a week. Two to four hundred dollars a week. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. So I don't know. I just found this clip so condescending. Some people may think five cents is just a nickel. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, no, it's a dime. Right. Because of inflation. Um, but I don't know. I just remember I had this reaction and I wrote this note. Like, what if the trucker was a millionaire? You know, like what if Elon Musk was being interviewed and he's like, yeah, I've lost, you know, four to five hundred dollars a week because of this economic downturn. And then <laughs> if this lady turned to the billionaire and said, wow, that's a lot. I don't know. I just found that fucking clip so condescending. <laughs> now, clip three is also from the No Agenda show. It's the same episode, but um, I, this is about the No Agenda store. And I'm guessing you're really missing... It since Adams had his m- mouth wired shut. <laughs> um, no, not really. I've, I've been I've been getting a lot of stuff done in the last couple of weeks. You know, I started this progress notebook. I told you about the most kinds, right? And so I got the most kinds, and then one of them I'm dedicating to being a progress notebook. And I'm just you know I'm getting I'm making progress on shit. Like I'm checking things off. You know, I'm like making lists and uh, like what was one of the things that was on my to do list? Let, well, let me let me pull out my fucking to do list. I'm gonna no, this is my other thing. Oh, <laughs> right. And then here we go. All right. So one of the big things that I can now never have to think about doing again. Um, oh, right. Screen replacement. I fixed the screen, right? And so now, <laughs> so I fixed the screen on my old phone, uh, which it literally took like two minutes. Um, and I've been putting it off for months. God, I'm such a procrastinator. I blame my parents. Let's go to clip three. <laughs> clip, and yeah. Unless they're taking a beating and I don't know it. I mean, it's possible. And uh, I just saw, uh, I think, a newbie, Arthur 500, saying, well, you got to ask the artist for permission. Believe me, this is well settled. This is value for value. We Pause don't have- it real quick. So, yeah, I was, I was given the context. So this is about the No Agenda store. And on the No Agenda store, what the people who run the store do is they take art that's submitted to the show. You know, so artists willingly create artwork based on the content of the episodes and then they submit it to the to this website and then no agenda store takes that art and puts it on shirts and hats and mugs and things like that so as as adam's saying this new user i guess probably to no agenda social is like bitching about you know like do they have permission or i don't know we'll just play the clip believe me this is well settled this is value for value we don't have a contract a handshake anything with no agenda shop no agenda shop talks to the artist says hey i'll give you 33rd 33 percent uh we'll uh of whatever profit there is uh, we'll give the show a donation which varies and and they clearly keep the operation running it's a beautiful system and nothing is done without permission that's that's what i like and it's but it's there's also no contracts as far as i know no love it yeah so i just thought that was a really interesting example that adam provided for some of the ways that the value for value system works you know no agenda show they've been doing this show for how long is it now 15 years 15 years um we haven't even done the show for 15 episodes um are you sure are you counting no i'm not okay (laughs) uh we certainly haven't uploaded 15 episodes um (laughs) when you put it that way you bastard People are waiting. The people are waiting. Anyway, so, 
you know, they don't have time to be running a store to be like creating merchandise. So some of the fans of the show have put together this store and they use the artwork that was submitted to the show. And then they give 33% of the profit. I mean, of the revenue to the show, I think, or maybe it's the profit. It's the profit, right? They split the profit. They have to take the cost. The cost comes out and the profit is split between the artist, the store and the show. And that's so beautiful. Value for value. There's no contract needed. No one has to, to be like micromanaging anything. It's the value for value system. It's like the new honor system. It's the new international lifestyle. I remember when you used to criticize this. Oh, that can't be it. They're lying. Um, well, I, I've come, I've come around, you know, I think I've come around. That's good. I reserve the right to change my mind. Speaking of value for value, it looks like Dystopia and Albi announced partnership to integrate value for value payments for podcasters. I wonder what that means. What is dystopia? Well, to my knowledge, d- d- dystopia is um, for, for music. So I thought this was a music thing, but well, it, but it's, music- nice to, it's nice to see that Albi is um, going to like different big, big companies. Yeah. It's it's just it's just like um, a, a web app integration. So cool, makes it so much easier. I just yeah. had this open, and I, you know they're gonna be um, there's gonna be a lot of like music stuff with Value for Value too. We had talked about that guy who released like released his single on Value for Value. I don't necessarily like that business model particularly, but I, you know it's reasonable. I mean the thing about podcasts and then what we eventually will do more of if we get more boosts, but until we get boosts and by boost, I mean, this is a podcasting 2.0 value for value compatible podcast. That means that if you're listening on a modern podcast, which you can get from newpodcastapps.com, you can put Satoshi's that is Bitcoin into your podcast wallet, and then you could send it to us while you're listening to us or you know, to other podcasts, whatever. Instagram. We haven't gotten any boosts in the in the few the recent past, have we? Partner, how long has it been since you clicked boost? <laughs> That's too long. Yeah. No, no. The last one was good old SBF. But you know why we're not getting boosts? Is because we don't upload the episodes. <laughs> okay, but but because Chimp says he's he's you know done cleaning his cage we haven't gotten any boost on any old episodes it's always been live so that's my argument yeah but that's because the people you know on the older episodes we didn't necessarily train them but if they keep listening then we're going to be training them and then eventually they're going to be well trained and they will send us the boost so you have to you know i, I don't know what to say champ just You're upload not- the, the episode <laughs> that's all I'm gonna you don't say. have to say anything at all uh-huh All right, so now I'm going to go into a little feature, and this might be split up over the next couple of weeks because there's a, I mean, I've, I've been pumping out, well, I find a lot of things to make clips out of, and I don't want to overdo it, and I I think I made like 10 clips out of this one show of, um, so I, you know, I'd mentioned Jennifer Briney in the past because she's on that show that I listened to called We're Not Wrong. But I know her from the Congressional Dish podcast, and I really respect that podcast. I've been listening to it for like 10 years now. But? No, there's no but. So this, so, you know, today I'm going to be <clears throat> like covering a little bit of the Congressional Dish podcast. 
One of her recent episodes was about the new Congress that's coming in. So the Republicans did take the House of Representatives. So they have a majority in the House of Representatives. What that means is that they will now choose a Speaker of the House. It means that they will reorganize all the committees and the committee chairmanships. So Republicans will now be chairs of all the committees. <clears throat> there are many implications to this. For the Democrats who have, I think it's like 50-50 in the Senate. I'm pretty sure it's still 50-50. And that means that the um, Kamala Harris, the vice president, can break ties. That's in the Senate, though. The Democrats have to get... So everything has to be bipartisan, right? Because, okay, things like the Democrat stuff will pass in the Senate, but only the Republican stuff will pass in the House. And so, uh, you know... Um, Jennifer Briney, who was raised a Republican, she became independent. And although I don't agree with a lot of her politics, I think that she is a very honest person. And I think that she does a lot of research. She's been doing her show for over 10 years covering what Congress does, specifically the yeah Congress, but mostly the House of Representatives, mostly the House, but just Congress in general, though. So let's start off with clip number six before we get too deep into this. Number six? Yeah, number six. Throw me off here. Why'd you even number them? Ugh, because, man. But before we get to the lame duck, actually, <laughs> before we even get to the thing I was just about to say, I do want to remind you that this is a listener-supported podcast. I take donations. I do not accept any advertisements from anyone, no corporations, no politicians, nobody, even though my email is constantly full of people trying to pay me to tell you things. I say no to all of them. And the reason is I want to build trust with you because if I'm going to tell you information and I'm going to analyze this information, I want you to know that no one is paying me to say anything. So if you appreciate that relationship that you and I have, and if you appreciate this podcast continuing to exist, please support the show with whatever payment method works for you on congressionaldish.com. So I guess I would say the but is that I don't like the way she does value for value. I mean, I, I would say I don't like the way I do value for value either, but we don't have enough boosts or, or whatever, donations or whatever you would call it to really justify having a value section. But she does have a value section in her episode. And having listened to her for so many years, and she did this thing where she was doing, like she was splitting up the value episodes. So she would do a regular episode, and then she would dedicate a whole episode just to saying thank you to the people who gave her money. And the problem with that is that it would just make those like it would create these two different kinds of episodes instead of integrating the content all into one episode so that the fact that she was getting paid for it was, you know, a part of the fact that she could do the whole episode instead. It's like it made this really weird thing. And so she did that for like three years and then or however long she did it. And then she realized that that wasn't working. So she stopped doing that. She never uses the word value once in that pitch or in that discussion, even though she talks about how she doesn't take advertiser money, she does blah, 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 blah. And she learned this from the no agenda show. So I, you know, one day I'm going to like write her a letter and send her a check and <laughs> be like, you know, this is what you got to do. You got to, you got to just, there's a formula to it, right? I mean, you, okay. It's important to mention it's a value for value show, but then at some point in the show, you thank the people who paid you for it. 
She, she's going to say, who the fuck are you? I've been doing this for years. No, no. She's, That's what she's she, going to think. She's way too humble. And then she'll write you a thank you letter. <laughs> no, she may. Oh, you're so cynical. I'm serious. Like, I think Jen's, Jen's a really nice person. Have from, you met her? No, not in person. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? I've only, I've only listened to her talk for like 10 years. Uh, celebrities. It's weird. Yeah, right. Is she a celebrity? Right. Am I, I am celebrating her right now. Right. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to have another nine clips with her in it, but now <laughs> to the heart of the matter, right. Payback the, is a bitch. Right. So this is Jen Briney on the Republicans taking over Congress on uh, again. She used to be a Republican. Now she's an independent. <clears throat> Let's go to clip number four. Because even though the Republicans are only going to have one half of Congress starting next year and they do not have the presidency, the Republicans will be able to get maybe a lot of their goals into law using dingleberries, which in D.C. are known as riders. But I'm not infected with D.C. brain, and I realize that these riders are essentially shit that gets stuck onto must-sign pieces of legislation so that they can sneak their way past a veto pen and into law. The dingleberry method was a successfully tested method of getting quite frankly, horrible things into law during the Obama years, like a bill that allows our tax money to bail out the banks again, banks both foreign and domestic. I saw Dingleberry authorize a deal with Mexico that allowed the oil companies to drill even deeper in the Gulf of Mexico than where the Deepwater Horizon spill was. And I even saw a Dingleberry that created a whole new domestic spying wing in the Department of Homeland Security. So the Dingleberry method during the Obama years allowed Republican lawmakers that serve corporations and the intelligence community spooks to get all kinds of things into law that wouldn't have been signed into law on their own. In fact, quite a few of these bills got specific veto threats when they were introduced on their own. I feel like that implies that the Democrats would never sign that into law, but I mean, I, don't, I just, I just think, how do you mean? Because she's saying like, she's kind of saying like, oh, it's being snuck in there. Those sneaky. Um, well, but she's not she's not saying this as if the Democrats don't do the same thing. But she's talking about in the context of. Not that they do the same thing, but like. No, I, but they do. I, I know. but no, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that. So like, I don't think they care. Like someone's getting paid off. Like. Well, yeah, it's more. And they used to call this pork barrel spending, which I guess, you know, she hasn't been covering Congress long enough to know that but since she started covering congress she's been very thorough i think she started like during the obama administration so i don't think she was doing it during the bush years that's when i started paying attention to those kinds of things pork barrel spending is like okay you got this um you know bridge in wyoming that needs repairing and it only gets used two times a year but you know, the congressman from that district is only going to vote on this spending bill or something if you're willing to put this, you know, maintenance on the bridge on the bill. And so that's what they're talking about is that like, you know, for the the president and for the Senate to be able to get any of their agenda through the next two years, they're going to have to let Republicans in the in the House of De House of Representatives stick a bunch of dingleberries or pork barrel spending into the bills. Weird stuff that's got nothing to do with what the bill is. Like the bill will be about, you know, uh, protecting victims of domestic violence, and it's going to have you know like two billion dollars for m microprocessor manufacturers in it. You know, like that kind of 
like one thing's got nothing to do with the other, but they're, they're on the same bill because that's what it took to get it passed. And so that's kind of what she's lamenting. Let's go on to clip number five. We're a part of all the Dingleberry festivals that I have witnessed and shared with you over the years. Oh, and hold next on, pause year, it. Okay. So, okay. So she's talking about, so, so again, she was, this was during the Obama administration, those things that she was mentioning before. And she's saying some of those Republicans are still in office. And so they're, you know, they already know all the old tricks and they know how to play the old game. Republicans know that they have the power to attach dingleberries to things like debt ceiling increases and war authorizations and government funding laws. And so contrary to the idea that way too many people seem to have that, you know, divided government is somehow good because nothing too crazy can happen. I know that that idea is straight bullshit. Now, in the 118 Congress, we're going to have both parties with the ability to get dingleberries into law. And the House Republicans published for us their dingleberry wish list. You gotta work on your clips, man. <laughs> you cut off the start of what she said and cut off the end of what she said. Hey, my, um, you know, my methodology for cutting clips is extremely rudimentary at this point. I am hoping that once I uh, complete my transition from Windows to Linux, that I will have a more appropriate, you know, audio recording application to use that can allow me to like edit the clips. Um, I have one to give you. You don't, you don't use it. Yeah. And I don't want, I just, I don't want to use anything right now. Not until I'm done with my transition. Anyway. So as she says, you know, um, so the Republicans have published a document that's explaining in, in, in pretty great detail about the kind of goals and aspirations they have. We're not going to go over everything because the episode was like three hours long, but we're going to go over a bunch of things. So let's do clip seven. What's with you and jumping around? So yeah, you know the drill. Please pay for the show. Okay. Please pay for the <laughs> oh, show. Right. That was just a clip I threw in there because it was a great, it was a great clip. Play that so, one yeah. again. You know the drill. Please pay for the show. Send okay. us a Okay, Don't forget to boost. Boost to gray. Ah, stop, stop. Oh, autoplay. No. <laughs> okay. I hate autoplay so much. Clip eight. Clip eight. All right. We will have oversight hearings on what happened, who was responsible for opening up America's southern border, how many have come in, how many are on the terrorist watch list that we know of, and when will we start doing something about it. In our commitment to America, we talk about securing America's border and holding them accountable. We will give Secretary Mayorkas a reserved parking spot. He will be testifying so much about this. So that's the kind of oversight we're going to be doing. Wow, tough guy. Um you know, I, I'm super, super liberal when it comes to the border because I guess a former libertarian, to me, the problem with the, with the border is not that people are coming across it, but it's that when they get here, they get all these free services that the taxpayers have to pay for or that the debt has to pay for. So if we didn't have all of those entitlements, it wouldn't matter if they came here because they just have to get a job and pay bills like everyone else. Mm -hmm. But that's not the situation. I do have to wonder though, like, you know, it's Republicans and Democrats. They take no responsibility in these discussions about the, the border and about immigration for the things that the U S government has done to screw up Latin America so much that these people want to come here in the first place. 
I mean, to me, this is very important because this is an ongoing saga. We are constantly screwing up Latin America and the Caribbean too. It's, it wasn't that long ago when, um, you know, people who were seemingly backed by, uh, undisclosed U S interest, like had sent an attempted coup to Venezuela. Like you heard about those people who got arrested. It was like another Bay of pig kind of situation. Um, so we're always meddling in affairs. I mean, there was the coup in um, in Bolivia a few years ago. There's a, there's a bunch of bullshit that we keep promoting or keep supporting that ruins Latin America. You know, whether they're going to be socialist or communist or whatever, you know, it's their fucking business, right? Like, uh, do, do we believe in private property or not? Do we believe in like nations and borders or not? Because if you if you believe in the United States, then you also have to believe in all these other places and you have to theoretically believe in their sovereignty or not. I like, I don't get being an American sometimes. Well, I think it, I mean, they always say like, Oh, it's right in our backyard. So it's not like that's their country. It's, it's actually our yard and you're just there. <laughs> yeah. So we get to fuck with you, but we take no responsibility for you. It's like, and it's like not even your backyard because you mow your backyard. Right. So it's like, it's like the that's forest, it is. It's it's the forest behind your backyard. <laughs> it's mowing. You're just cutting off the heads of the socialists and the communists. And you know what I really wonder though, because it's one of those things, right? Like what's the real motive? Like what, what, why do the Republicans really rail so much against the border hysteria? And I wonder if it's because they're just trying to eliminate their narco trafficking competition, Mm. right? Like maybe they bitch and whine and complain so much about all the drugs coming over the border because they don't want those drugs to compete with the drugs that they're bringing in. Like what? I don't know. Anyways, play the next clip. God damn it, you fucking... (laughs) (laughs) And again, this is all in the name of the war on drugs. But there's not a peep in any of these documents about cracking down on doctors and drug companies that hand out painkillers like candy on Halloween, which is a common gateway for Americans to become dependent on painkillers. The less financially fortunate of whom then turn to cheap on the street fentanyl as their painkiller when their official prescriptions run out. No, in the Republican policy documents, companies that profit from that kind of drug dealing get tax breaks and lots of them. No, the House Republicans, they maintain a 100% focus on fentanyl smuggling over the border by non-citizens, despite the inconvenient fact, as reported by the U.S. Sentencing Commission and analyzed by the Cato Institute, that in 2021, U.S. citizens not refugees or immigrants, U.S. citizens made up 86.3%. So the vast, vast majority of fentanyl drug trafficking convictions. So either the police are stealing drugs from the illegal immigrants and not reporting it, or the vast, vast majority, as Jen Briney says, of the people smuggling drugs into the United States are Americans. And I'm going to assume that they're mostly white Republican Americans. So, um, you know, Hey, I'm all about drugs, right? (laughs) I mean, no, that's not true. I'm all about decriminalizing drugs. I'm all about free choice. I'm all about like consenting adults, blah, 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 all that stuff. So to me, the issue is not the behaviors to me is the, 
the enforcement of the legal system that we use and then the kind of assumptions we make or generalizations that we make about people. So as she says, 100% of the focus on this border thing is not because of the people who come here because they're in desperate need of, of you know, economic relief or to escape violence. No, the, the focus of the Republicans is on the people who come here who are criminals, you know, like the drug dealers, the gang members, all that stuff. But as she says, that's not even like a real big problem. Like only third, it was what was 86.3. So that means only 83.7. I mean, only 13.7% of the people bringing in fentanyl over the border are these immigrants. Anyways, let's go on to the next clip. Oh, that's you still a pretty big percentage. I'm not going to say that's not. But it's a significant. Not that enough to be the main argument. Yeah, it's, yeah, not, it's not like they're the ones bringing the drugs into to the country. No, they're bringing some drugs into the country. The drugs are being brought in by Americans. Yeah, and, those, and so Americans are profiting from that. So it, when we take it away from those immigrants bringing them in, that's more Americans profiting from the drugs. This is what I'm saying. This is exactly what I'm saying. Okay, keep, let's keep going. Our investigations into Hunter Biden's business oh, yeah, relationships the next in one. Ukraine and China. <laughs> and on this one... Here, pause I it a second. So again, so she's talking about things that the Republicans are going to bring up now that they're in control because the January 6th committee was a total Democrat like propaganda thing. So now like I know they're going to end it. Well, I don't know. One expects they're going to end it, but I would I would really find it hilarious that the Republicans decided to continue the January 6th committee, but then just flipped it on its head to use it as an example of how the Democrats were completely screwing everyone over. So anyway, well, we just got to keep that clip going then. Our investigations into Hunter Biden's business relationships in Ukraine and China. And on this one, I have to admit, I really do want to know more about what the Biden family was up to in Ukraine, specifically from around early 2014, when that coup in Ukraine that Vice President Joe Biden personally helped orchestrate happened. I want to know what he was doing in Ukraine from. Why does she say I, I personally have to admit, I want to know, like, isn't that kind of implied as an investigative journalist? I'm getting, I'm well, she's not an investigative journalist. Oh. Like she, she covers Congress. So she's, she's talking about like her personal opinion. She's saying, okay, I mean, this is separate from just me talking as a journalist. This is me talking like I'm personally interested to know. Copy. I want to know what he was doing in Ukraine from then until, well, now. I want to know as much as I can about what Joe Biden and his family has done in Ukraine. And considering that Hunter Biden, his son, with no experience in the oil and gas industry, got a job at a Ukrainian gas company right after that coup that paid him about $50,000 per month, I do think that an investigation into Hunter Biden will give us some currently unknown details about what his dad was up to in Ukraine at that time. I want to know, and I've wanted to know for years. As bad as I feel for Hunter Biden, I really do, because, you know, he didn't ask to be born into a high-profile political family. And his drug problems are, you know, dude, I'd probably be all kinds of fucked up with that level of scrutiny and pressure, too. I feel bad for Hunter Biden. And this next Congress will not help that man get any better because the pressure on him, 
oh my God, how can that not become unbearable? Even for a healthy person, you know? Oh, I, I, I fear for Hunter Biden. It sounds more like a whip than a golf swing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so speaking of this, so she, you know, she talks about this in the episode and I don't know if, if this came across the grapevine for you, but last night, no, yeah, last night on Twitter, Elon Musk started revealing the, what he called like the Twitter free speech files. So Elon Musk has contracted journalist Matt Taibbi, um, who, I mean, I personally respect as a journalist very much, and that's kind of hard to get from me. He's letting Matt Taibbi go through the files of basically conversations and correspondences that Twitter employees and Twitter executives had with members of the DNC and who knows who else specifically in the, the reveal yesterday about covering up the, the Hunter Biden laptop story, the Hunter Biden laptop story. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've mentioned it before, but like Hunter Biden, unfortunately is a crackhead and he is like out of his fucking mind. Sometimes when he does crack, he left his laptop at a, computer repair shop and apparently never picked it up. The guy who he gave the laptop to repair, like went through the laptop and found all kinds of horrible videos of Hunter doing things supposedly with like underage girls, prostitutes, smoking lots of crack. And so he gave it to the FBI. The New York post published a story about this and social media went bent over backwards turned the world upside down to make sure that this story did not get out. And this was just before the elections. Yeah, I don't know. So that was just interesting timing that Jennifer Briney would bring this up and then this, this thing would happen. So let's, let's go, go to the next clip. Yeah, it's definitely going to be very interesting <laughs> oh, as, yeah. as he brings out more stuff. But with the Republicans' focus on Hunter Biden, they also intend to pursue investigations and bills related to censorship of news on social media platforms. Because the Republicans are still justifiably pissed that the true story of Hunter Biden's laptop full of documents and party pics being discovered was labeled as Russian disinformation and removed from social media and news sites before the 2020 election. And in my book, that was election interference. A true story was scrubbed from the internet. Not entirely, I was able to find it, but enough that far, far fewer people were reading it than otherwise would have if posting it were allowed. So, Russian interference, is there any collusion? I mean, the Democrats spent years just filling the, the media with all this crap about Trump being a compromised Russian agent, Patsy, whatever. And they wasted so much time. They did committee hearings. They did Senate hearings. There was so much attention was done to it. And then, and then as soon as the, the, the shoe was on the other foot, I mean, they, they did everything like they were the, the bunch of liars, like filthy, lying, manipulative, cheating people. You know, what are you going to do? It's going to be interesting to see how people like react to this. Like the more, I guess the more liberal minded who didn't believe at all that there's any censorship on Twitter. 
No, it's, pre- it's, well, pre- it's pretty hard so, to, to say so otherwise. So the gymnastics that they're doing right now is that like, so Elon said something about government interference and all that's been revealed in the Matt Taibbi, like it's a Twitter thread, you know, so there's the Twitter limits the post to a hundred, like 42 or whatever, a hundred something characters. So there's 30 of these posts. It's not his usual format. Matt Taibbi usually writes long format investigative journalist pieces. But on his Substack, he says that this is just the beginning, that he's going to be publishing various articles on his Substack from the documents that he's getting from this investigation. So I do think that this is just the beginning. I One of the big things that's not going to get talked about, but that's the subtext for a lot of this is the extent to which the government used secret national security powers to censor Twitter because they can't talk about it, right? So like maybe Elon Musk as the CEO can somehow see evidence of some sort of secret national security letters being sent to Jack Dorsey or to other Twitter executives telling them to do specific things that they're not allowed to admit publicly. Okay, so yeah, so sorry, you said to censor Twitter, but uh, what that means is to have Twitter censor tweets. No, so I mean, if you get a letter saying, "Okay, we're the federal government, you cannot tell anyone you received this letter, or you're be, you, you know, you're going to be prosecuted under violation of national security law." To f- comply with this letter, you have to do the following: duh, 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 you know, and then thank you, goodbye. Like that's that's censoring Twitter. That's like basically telling them we're going to treat you like a bunch of fucking terrorists unless you do what we tell you. Yeah, you can't say shit. Yeah. And it's interesting like <laughs> how, um, cause I, I kind of feel like it's, 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 it's being presented as, Oh, Jack Dorsey didn't know shit. And that's why he, he, he left it immediately well, afterwards. What they're saying is that he didn't know about specific activities, right? Mm. So like all the things, and this is another thing. I'm pretty sure Matt Taibbi is probably being told by Elon. Okay. Like, you know, um, <laughs> let, let's make Jack look good. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I have a business deal with him. Let's make yeah. him look good. All right. Well, let's get back to the congressional clip, uh, dish clips. But unfortunately, you have two number 12s, just so you know. What are they titled? But unfortunately, his dad is well, the what? president of the United States. It's going to be rough. Okay. So this was, um, this was supposed to be the first 12. Let's, uh, yeah, let's just, you know, let's torture, torture Hunter a little bit more. But unfortunately his dad is the president of the United States and world war three is possible because of the situation in Ukraine, a situation that has been going on. Oh yeah. So I wanted to say since she she has been doing the show for 10 years, she literally (laughs) covered what Congress was doing in relations to the coup in Ukraine as it was happening. All right. So as Congress was doing, you know, uh, like I remember, um, what's his face, that fucker McCain, you know, when, when he went over to Ukraine and was telling them that he supported them and he supported their, you know, their future and blah, blah, blah. And, and Nancy Pelosi and all these people went over there. She was covering all of that. So she's talking when she says that she's been curious about what's been going on for years. She means that very, very literally situation that has been going on far longer than most Americans know. And it's a situation that Joe Biden is far more intimately involved in from 2014 than most Americans know. And I think we should know more. 
and investigations into Hunter's Ukrainian business relationships, I think we will learn more. And so I welcome these investigations. I just, man, I just hope that Hunter is able to make it through this okay. Cause yeah, me too. Yeah, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, because she was saying basically because the Republicans are going to ream him. All right, let's go to the next clip. <laughs> and that is that the Republicans want to prevent email services from sending political oh, emails. Oh, yeah, hold on. To so, <laughs> okay, so she's talking about one. One law, and I'm talking, I'm going to make better clips in the future. I'm, I, I promise. I promise. But she's talking about one position that the Republicans have on their agenda that she is 100% sure that the Democrats are going to have no problem getting behind. Start the clip from the top. And that is that the Republicans want to prevent email services from sending political emails to our spam folders. Quite self-serving. Yeah. So literally, so they're going to tell all the email providers, which apparently now there's really only four that you cannot send political like campaign email to spam. That's going to be illegal now. What are those four email providers? Who are? (laughs) Oh man. You know what? I talked about this last week. I did not, I don't know who they are, but it's not, they're not the email providers, but they're some sort of like backbone to the email protocol. Yeah. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah, it is super (laughs) fucked up. So, you know, so you can, you can press the spam button all you want on those stupid emails that these politicians send you. And it, it, it's, it's always going to show up in your inbox. It's always going to show up in your inbox. <laughs> unless they never get your email. Yeah. Okay. Unless they never get your email. Do, do, do I have any more clips? Is there one more clip? All right. So we got one more clip. This is a complete 180. Jordan. And this is the guy. He's a Republican from Ohio. And he is likely to be the next chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. This is him on September 20th. Of course, I cut out his name. Because they told us so many things that turned out not to be accurate. I mean, just think about it. They told us this thing, that this, you know, this thing didn't come from a lab. Oh, this is COVID. Sure looks like it did. But they want us to believe, no, 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 it was a bat to a pangolin to Joe Rogan, and then we all got it, right? (laughs) I'm just a country boy from Ohio, but I kind of think it probably came from a lab. Yeah, that's how you end the clip. Right, I know. That one. That was good. I I try, I try. Um... Yeah, so I'm going to have more from this episode next week. But th- those are the clips that I took so far. I think it's going to be an interesting time. Um, I have never paid less attention probably to what Congress is doing than than lately. But Jen Briney makes it seem like it's going to be a fun time. You know, she makes it seem like the the Republicans are going to give the Democrats hell and that they're both going to give America hell. So, you know... We're all fucked. What can you do? <laughs> I, you know, I, it was really, I never thought about it the way that she put it. The, the fact that the fact that Congress is divided means that they're going to actually have to cooperate on screwing us over. Whereas if it was just one party in power, then it would only be half of the crap that we'd have to put up with instead of 100% of the crap. Yeah, exactly. Whatever passes, it's, it's, it's going to have <laughs> the worst of both worlds. It's like, great. We're like, what a, what a fantastic time to be an American.
I'm pretty sure the Republicans actually invented the national security letter. It was when Bush was president and the, you know, 9-11 happened, the war on terror started. And I can't remember who the lawyer was, but it was some lawyer for the Department of Justice, I guess. And he came out with the letter that's... Was it in Barr? No, this was way before Barr was... Well, I mean, Barr's, you know, he's an old guy, but he was not a part of the Bush administration. Um, what was it? It was um, basically he was, because of the Patriot Act, they just decided they could start writing these horrible letters to companies and make them do things. It was what a, what a great time. Um, so did you hear they're going to build a, a super tower in downtown? They're going to build a Waldorf Astoria. Jeez. In downtown Miami. And it's, I think it's going to be over a hundred stories tall. Damn. I was guessing it's t- taller than the Koya and the blue and green diamond. Yeah. None of those are a hundred stories tall. Yeah. Jeez. Those are probably like 60 stories tall. Yeah. This is going to be just a gigantic tower. And um, there's another one that just got announced this week. That's going to be like a, over a thousand feet. And it's like twice as big as the intercontinental hotel. I mean, Downtown Miami is getting crazy and it's going to get crazy. There's so many developments going on right now. Start buying your property now. You know, with BitBasil going on, I I feel like a lot of uh, out-of-towners are going to buy property this week or they're going to they're going to get convinced that they should buy property here this week. There was one of the headlines that I shared on our on our Discord chat room had to do with um, just expectations for the luxury market to keep to keep booming over here. You know, I, I don't know why I follow the development news because I'm probably never going to be able to or want to afford half the crap that I read about. But it's um some pretty interesting stuff. And, uh, it, you know, it's Miami's going to benefit a lot, um, you know, probably by the time I'm, I'm ready to get rid of this condominium unit, it'll probably be worth a lot because because of that, you know, that train station that they're just about to finish building nearby and... Um, have you seen it? No, I haven't been there. I haven't been there in like months. I saw it a lot earlier, you know, like maybe like five months ago. Oh, because you take I-95. I- yeah. Okay. Yeah, I never go through West Dixie Highway, which now they're supposed to call Julia Tuttle Highway or something like that. Um, really? Yeah. You don't remember that? So that was like a whole thing from maybe it was like two years ago. So it, this is has to do with a lot of the woke stuff, right? So they're like, oh, you know, Dixie Highway is a racist uh, name. It's a racist road. So we got to we gotta change the name. And then I'm just like, but did Julia Tuttle ever come to... I mean, that wasn't Julia Tuttle. It was... Man, that was so dumb of me because Julia Tuttle's not even black. It's, yeah. They changed the name to um, the, the Harriet Tubman Highway. Oh, God. And so then my whole thing was just that... And I have no problem with Harriet Tubman, but... She wasn't from Florida. So I just find it so strange. Like these people are so fucking desperate to virtue signal that they're just picking the most famous black lady that they can think of and sticking her name on the road to like erase the racism. What's the name of that, uh, of that uh, Congresswoman over here? The, the, the black one has been there forever. Oh man. Ah, Frederico Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> There's a name, the Frederico Wilson highway. <laughs> uh, she's like famous for her hats, right? Yes. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, I just, 
I'm not down with that. I have no problem with changing the name of streets, but if you're going to do it for something like because Dixie Highway is a racist name, then pick something that actually represents Florida. I don't know. Maybe pick like one of the local uh, Indian tribes, like pick a name from them or one of the like, I don't know, one of the local famous black people who actually lived in the state of Florida and did something in the state of Florida. There are black people in Florida. Anyway, I don't know. it's already called Miami. That's an Indian name. Yeah. What, else, what more do they want? Uh, a lot of things. They want a lot of things and they're not going to get it. So um, I got a couple headlines. Just a couple. And we got we got to stretch them out because we've got another 19 minutes to go. <laughs> um, this is, a, I don't know, this is like a sick and sad headline here. In Miami's public housing... Hundreds of units lack air conditioning. That's changing. So I guess, you know, part of the story is supposed to be like, hey, we're so happy. All these people are getting air conditioning. But really the story is that like hundreds of units of public housing didn't have AC. And one can only imagine maybe more don't like still don't have them. I remember there was this story a few years ago. There was a school district in like Northwest Florida that they didn't have air conditioning. Now, yeah, I remember that. I don't think air conditioning is necessarily good for people, but I think there are many circumstances, especially like in a place like Miami, where air conditioning is pretty vital. Um, our clothes and our like furniture and stuff gets ruined if it's not maintained like the humidity is not properly maintained it gets really humid here so moss and other things will quickly start to grow all over the place if we don't if we don't have ac it's not like that in the rest of the world there are other places where you don't need ac um in fact you only need heating sometimes right like if you're in the the great like for way north or way south you don't ever need ac but then sometimes you need heating well, it's kind of the opposite here, right? Like we pretty much don't ever need heating in Miami, but you need AC a lot of the time because it's really hot. I remember when we were driving to wherever we went and we crossed into Georgia that one night and it was freezing. <laughs> we actually used the heating in the car. Oh man. <laughs> we went to California. Oh yeah. That was a long trip. When are we going to do that again? We, won't, we wouldn't do it like that. I wouldn't do it like that. We'd have to take much longer. I'm going to Orlando in May. Oh, yeah? What are you doing? March. For? What's going on? Uh, anime convention. Ooh, anime convention. Well, actually, Megacon is more comics, but this is a big anime contingency. Uh-huh. Because I'm, I'm more into comics than anime. Yeah. Last time, I, I went to Megacon like, about like 15 years ago. And it, was, it was huge. It was like this huge... Um, Darth Vader was like seven feet tall walking around. <laughs> it was really cool. But yeah, I've been getting, I mean, I kind of getting back into comics by watching the cartoonist kayfabe. Like they seem to publish a video every day of the week. Nice. Going over a different comic. And I learned a lot about some of the more kind of a uh, production side. They know a lot about comic book history. Um, they talk about like the inkers, the colorists. They talk about the, the production methodologies, like the the printing technology. So that's kind of interesting, kind of to experience the entertainment of comics while also getting an educational 
quality to it, to, to the experience. Those kind of conventions are always fun because there's just so many people there, just tons of people and people love to dress up. And like, even if you're just walking around and that in itself is just a fun experience. Well, I would probably want to go to a comic book convention because there are no comic book shops near here anymore. There are. What? There are. Where? Near here? One right by my house called Gauntlet. Gauntlet Oh, I've never been there. Have you been in there? I think they closed it. Yeah. You think they closed it? (laughs) Proving my point. (laughs) Um, You know. There are a couple. Like, Like one time me and Mal, like... We made it a, a point to find all the anime shops um, in the area, and we drove like eight of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so there aren't very many, and they're not very near. But at a comic book convention, I would probably, you know, I would have, have a lot of stuff in a small space. There's one in Davie I think you'd like. There's a lot of comics. They're huge, huge comic section. Um well, I'll, I'll send you the address. Yeah, the next time I go to Davey for board game day, there you I'll, go. See? Uh, I'll stop by the comic book shop. It's right by the Super Target. I don't know what the hell that means. University in yeah, Griffin. I, I know that university <laughs> is a road and it's west of here. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, I don't know what's with me and geography. Um, geography? If I'm not, you know, I'm I'm more of a landmarks kind of person like I, you know I, I notice the landmarks and I, I remember things in relation to each other but I don't you know I don't I grew up with a globe from like the 80s or something and as a kid I would always look at the globe and just like look at all different countries and the oceans and the seas and I was just obsessed with that globe and just my brain is like a map like I try to map everything well definitely when I started playing like the Total War series I started learning a lot about world geography and with the paradox interactive games i started learning more details about specific places because those are a lot more detailed i love geography i just don't know anything like west of i-95 south of flagler well, North of County Line Road. <laughs> you got a car. Start driving. Yeah, but I mean, I just, I, I mostly drive to get places. And Miami and South Florida is kind of like an ugly and boring place. So I'm not paying attention most of the time. Like you, you look to the left, you look to the right on the highway, and it's just buildings and mostly boring buildings that are in, in, undistinguished and uninteresting. So, you know, I just get where I'm going. I listen to my podcast or, you know, I'm listening to a little bit of music lately, but mostly podcasts and I just get where I'm going. And I don't, I, like I, I, it took me, I don't remember how many times going to my apprenticeship on Thursdays all the way in Coconut Creek, which is, it's like, it's like 30 miles from where I live and 20 miles from where I work. And it, it took me several weeks, probably like six weeks of going there before I finally remembered how to do it without the GPS. <laughs> Cause oh I have to go through like two different highways and all these different turning, you know, it was just, but I, once I, once I got all the landmarks in my head, I'm like, okay, I can do that now. Jeez. As soon as I go somewhere, I'd never forget how to get there. It depends. It, it, so sometimes, but it depends if it's, if it's like far and like there's a lot of weird arbitrary turns and things. I, I'm not going to remember all that. That's too much detail. So I was thinking about it. My dad had his teeth removed like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. I completely f- forgot about that. Like I knew it, but like it's always been there that I didn't think about it. 
You know, that's something that <laughs> I've had to think about at my job because there's a lot of old guys at my job With and some clacks, of them don't right? have their teeth. And yeah. there was this one day where the the maintenance manager, like he must have gotten a new set because like he opened his mouth and it was just like, what the fuck happened to his teeth? It's like he had different teeth and he probably literally did. Or maybe he had just transitioned or I don't know what. And it's some, oh, it freaks me out because both my parents have pretty shitty dental hygienic histories. So I've tried to be better than them. Like I am now the age that they were more or less when they had me and my teeth are pretty good for the most part. The ones that I have left. Do you know about Dr. Mike Muse? No. And the mewing te- technique? The mewing technique? Well, that's the clips I, I wanted to pull from. So I'll, I'll, I'll bring that next week. You're going to have to. But he's basically um, a rogue orthodontist. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. You definitely got to bring this up because I'm, you know, I'm real concerned about like my oral hygiene. I don't want to lose my teeth. I don't want to have root canals. You know, like I should be able to have my teeth for the rest of my life. It's too late for us. For us, really? Is yeah. that what he says? No, but it's probably, <laughs> it's probably too late for us. Why is it too late for us? Do you have your wisdom teeth? No. You had them removed? Mm, oh, they came out by themselves. Two of them were removed and two of them never came in. Okay. All right. I had mine removed young, so. Super curious. Like, what the hell? So, like, what's that got to do with anything? Is this what, this has something to do with his, this yeah, guy's orthodontistry? Yeah, it's like, it's basically like, like, what's the point of doing that? Like. What's the point of removing your wisdom teeth? Yeah. Oh. Like, like, especially at a young age, like, oh, like the yeah. head's still growing and everything. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, in my case, so I got them removed when I was 33 or 30, yeah, 33. And, uh, there was no room, right? Like my teeth on the top side, like my upper jaw were really crowded. And so with the wisdom teeth coming in and them already being, you know, it just, it wasn't working out. So. Um, you know, cause I, I got, I had braces for a while to kind of correct the position of the teeth and to improve my, my chewing. And also actually the real reason is this funny that we're having this conversation. This is such a strange conversation for us to be having. Panda asked if you floss. I'm pretty sure. So to talk about <laughs> flossing, right? So, so the real reason why I got braces was that I couldn't floss properly. My I teeth were this. so <laughs> squished together. They were so tight that my, that the floss would break. And sometimes I would get little pieces of floss stuck between my teeth and it would drive me crazy because I couldn't get them out. You know? So it was, this was like a whole like struggle. So now thankfully, after I had braces for a little while and I didn't even complete the whole course for the braces. I was supposed to have them for like two years and I only used them for like 10 months or not even whatever. Anyways, but what little bit of orthodontistry that I did use and I can now floss properly and thoroughly. You can die happy. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but do you floss often? Not as often as I should, <laughs> Same but here, but you know, you kind of have to, obviously you should floss every day and you should brush your teeth after every meal. And like my mom is always like, you're supposed to brush your teeth when you wake up. I'm like, no, after every meal. <laughs> I'm like, you know, okay, yes, you could brush your teeth when you wake up. But if you're going to have breakfast, like right after you wake up, you're supposed to brush it after your breakfast. Like if, if you're only going to do it once in the morning. 
then do it after breakfast, not before breakfast. And then you eat breakfast and shove food in your mouth and give yourself cavities. All I know is as a kid, I would only brush my teeth in the morning. <laughs> I'd drink a lot of soda and I never had cavities. Well, everyone's different. I mean, this is what I was going to say. So like you have to kind of know yourself, you, you know, I'm 35. I've had like my now teeth for I a get long cavities. time. Like, well, I don't I get too. It's funny. I don't get cavities too often now, but I did get them more like in my twenties and in my teens. Um, I think I've sort of learned the balance of how my mouth works and how to clean it, wh- how often it needs to be cleaned and in what ways. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that I've recovered from like the beginnings of cavities before and I've done it and I'm, this is not medical advice. I am not a dentist. I've never been to dentistry school, but essentially but. Um, just applying lots of water, like using a dental an, um, um, an, an oral irrigator or a water floss or water pick, or whatever they call it. Those things are amazing. So, you know, like if you're ever having some swollenness or you got some food stuck in your, you know, just like hit it with a water pick. Like if, if, if your teeth is aching you, I'm going to tell you, spend an hour with a water pick, just like washing and rinsing your mouth out, especially that one area that's messed up and then rinse it with like a, with a medicated oral rinse and, that's going to help a lot usually. Okay, I'm buying one now. Jeez, you convinced me. Oh, they're so good. I mean, I've been using them for years. Uh, obviously, you know, so when you floss with the with the physical floss, you have the, the physical like kinetic rubbing, but, but water is a naturally very abrasive chemical. So the simple act of, you know, like wa- rinsing the water over your teeth is an extremely effective method for cleaning out plaque and and other materials this one is called water pick aquarius so i had my chart read Uh oh and you're talking about like your zodiac chart yeah oh gosh yeah and that's been my response for years like oh astrology whatever and but i was talking to somebody and they're like you know read your chart okay cool whatever Uh uh-huh damn was it eerily accurate Uh (laughs) it was just like what the fuck all right, Gold whatever. Bitch. <laughs> it was just accurate. I'm I'm still not into astrology, but yeah, I'm not either. And it's it's funny because I have like a close family friend who her career is literally reading people's charts. And, you know, I mean, she's a nice person. We get along fine, you know. I stay with her when I go to Brazil. But I just don't believe in any of that. Did she read your chart? Yeah, she's read my <laughs> chart before. I mean, whatever. I'm like, I'm not going to resist it. Like, you know, if I get offered, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to offend. No, don't read my chart. I don't believe that <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been you at 18 for sure. Oh, maybe. <laughs> I don't believe it. I don't want to hear your mystical nonsense. <laughs> but apparently my people are weird. Your, what do you mean your people? My Aquarius. Aquarius. Aquarii. <laughs> Oh gosh, this is the problem, right? So one of the like real basic materialist contradictions of, of the Zodiac is that the stars that make up the, the different signs in the Zodiac, like none of them have any relationship with each other other than the fact that they're close to each other and you can see them from the earth. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point. But I think that's basically the point. No, it's not the, but people like when they came up with these things, they had no concept of what those things that they could see were. 
They didn't, you know, they didn't have a notion that, well, maybe the one that's brighter is, is somehow actually further than the one that's dimmer. Like they didn't, some people maybe had concepts like that. And you can see that in, in some of the writings of ancient like Greek thinkers, but for the most part, people know they, they are just, these are fucking candles floating in the sky. Like angels are holding up, you know, orbs of, you know, like that spiritualism and weird, you know, it's, it's just pseudoscientific baloney. But I hope it helps you um, navigate your life and brings you comfort and peace. Yes, I know exactly where the Bitcoin bottom is now, thanks to the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, it's kind of funny. I was starting to think, and I, I was mentioning this earlier. I'm start, I think that the cycles, like the ups and downs in the crypto is actually going faster and faster and faster. So like what I thought was maybe supposed to be like several months of, you know, Oh, like we're in a bear market now. It's like, no, the bear market is like three weeks and then you get like six weeks of bull market. And then it's like another three weeks of bear market. You know, it's, it's really just nuts right now. So to close out the show, let's do my last headline. Uh, so I can get it out of the way and say that I did all of my notes. Millum's market opens sixth Miami date store. Do you have any idea what the hell Millum's market is? Of course. Why don't you tell me in 30 seconds? Because I never heard of this. Well, I know they have a Millum's Market in Sunny Isles and one down in Gables. It's like a it's like a fresh market. It's like a it's like a little market. What are all these supermarkets opening up in South Florida? Oh, it's been it's there like, forever. It's, it's 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 like a Whole Foods. It's, uh-huh. it's literally like a Whole Foods. Well, that's interesting. It's I got to check one out. You know, the, and we talked about like the I'm sure your wild mom would, fork. I'm sure recently. your mom would love it. I'm, I'm surprised your mom has not been to Millum. It's right there in Sunny Isles. I got I to gotta tell her to go check them out. I got to tell, tell her to check them out. Tell her to check it out. Tell oh. her to check it out. No, I haven't been to, to the wild fork just yet. Well, my mom bought those uh, empanadas from there. They were pretty good. They're pretty good. We should get some meat. So um, I want some steaks. I do want to mention, I don't think I mentioned it yet, that I started started uh, writing my Bitcoin sci-fi story. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's uh, so far it's just been world building, but it's been a lot of fun. And I'm starting to kind of create like this mythology uh, of this Bitcoin future. I think I might be calling it something like Tales of the Hyper Bitcoin. That might be the title or something like that. Um, so, you know, look out for Tales of the Hyper Bitcoin coming to... Uh, Are you going to do value for value? I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. <laughs> Who knows? It's too early to tell. Does any no one know what the hell, what the hell they're going to do? No one knows, but uh, all I know is that this was Saturday Night Lit. All right. Catch you guys next time. On The Price is Lit. This was Captain Brunch and Chimp. <laughs>